you're here, you already sense there's something out there, something magical and mysterious, just waiting for you to find. And you've probably already discovered it isn't as easy as just thinking happy thoughts. You're not alone. Generations of shamans, philosophers, seers, and scientists have pursued this eternal quest. Where their ideas come together, you'll find powerful tools to cultivate magic and self-mastery in your own life. Welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Woodwell. I'm a former journalist, an author, a master astrologer, and a hermetic initiate, and it's my honor to be your guide. In each episode, I'll meet you at the crossroads of science and spirit, reason and intuition to help you discover the wisdom that works for you. Are you ready? The adventure awaits. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Mastery podcast. This is episode 13, which is all about finding resilience. Now, as folks are eyeing getting back to a post-pandemic new normal, Chris Kaplan and I decided that some meditations on resilience would be appropriate. But before we dive in, don't forget that I've added timestamps and links from the show to the show notes. So if you want to find them, just check them out at www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast. Now, on with the show. Here we are again. I am your host, Donna Woodwell, and I am here for another epic episode with my brand new co-host, Chris Kaplan. Chris, thank you so much for jumping aboard this podcast, the place where we talk about all things magical and how you can use them to master your own life. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, Donna. You always just bring a smile to my face. There's this beam of light. I appreciate the introduction. Hello. This particular episode, we decided that a good theme would be resilience. We're all in the midst of a weird pandemic life. This pandemic life where we know it's about time to start re-engaging the world. Dum-dum-dum. yes. <laughs> and that brings up questions about resilience, yeah? You know, resilience is how you, well, once you fall off the horse, how you pick yourself back up and get back on the horse. How would you define resilience, Chris? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually uh, thinking of the definition <laughs> before we started recording. It's like, wow, what is resiliency? And it's like, you know, a couple things that started popping my brain was, uh, you know, the body's ability to to bounce back, to respond, uh, to to process. Yeah, to re to return, to become resilient. <laughs> and maybe to become better than you were before things went haywire. Right. Maybe. I mean, it, if you're conditioning something, if you think about it that way, you know, you're you're breaking things down and you're rebuilding, you're strengthening. And um, that's a form of resiliency. I think about from like a biological standpoint, just the, the body's ability to respond to heal from uh, certain ailments. I take out my dog many times a day. Yeah. And walking around is very odd in Texas right now. It, we got hit with extreme cold, you know, colder than I've ever seen in the almost 30 years that I have lived here. And it was so prolonged. And it was not only all the terrible human toll that you saw for wherever mm. you are, probably on the news. 
it, it's like a scar on the land, a really deep one. So you walk around and trees that would have had leaves uh, on them, all the trees are bare. The leaves are on the ground. Um, any of the ornamental grasses are dead. Any of the ornamental ferns are dead. A lot of the hedgerows are dead. Some of the trees are dead. So they would be showing new growth. But for Texas, spring should have been three weeks ago, right? When all the crazy was happening. You can tell some of the plants are finally going to come back. The new shoots are just starting to show. But it is so strange, like on a visceral level, like the animal parts of me knows that something happened. And it's different than it was before. And yet, new life is starting to grow through again. So even nature finds a way to be resilient, although I'm not sure it'll ever be the same. I'm glad you brought that up, actually. That's a, it's a really fascinating thing because nature is extremely resilient, but you're right. It also isn't always, doesn't grow back the same. At one time, I think about like this, this part of the stress and the, that the, the plants in your region went through, they could theoretically grow back stronger and more resilient. But in the overall context of uh, the whole ecology of the planet, going through this monumental climate change, there is new species that are growing. Like a lot of it, like in America, we'll dub them invasive species. But the plants that are growing are there to restore balance to the ecological process. Like they have that innate ability to work on the ailments that are actually the ecologies is suffering. So the invasive species that uh, that grow in particular areas, whether they're kind of suffering from like high levels of carbon monoxide or uh, their the soil is actually completely bare of nitrogen, they'll actually restore that whole process itself. So that's a form of resiliency, but it's completely different. And it's the same thing when you're tending the landscape itself, where you're you are you are actually you know breaking branches, you're pulling up, you're maybe causing a purposeful disruption. So that the next cycle, the plants can come back stronger. They have more growth um, uh, areas for themselves and it's very resilient. You know, when I was, when I was in my magical hermetic training, one of the only things that was kept on the traditional altar from my teacher's practice was a candle holder with one center pillar and then two slightly lower equal arm pillars on either side. Mm. And it represented the self in the center and the equal armed forces of creation and destruction. Right. And the self is the balance point. The consciousness is the balance point between the two of them. But though they don't make necessarily candles that go further, um, she'd also say that the creative principle had creative creation and destructive creation on the other side, the destructive pillar had the same balance of a creative side and a destructive side. Mm -hmm. So sometimes acts of destruction can be necessary in order to facilitate the creative process. And that's, a, I think, a hard lesson to learn as we go through life, because that means that some loss, some mm -hmm. death, is absolutely necessary for our organisms to thrive. And we see it in nature all the time. Yeah. But some of us, unlike you, I mean, you're special. You're out in nature all the time. <laughs> some of us who live in, in, you know, suburban America where they all they get of nature is walking the dog on a regular basis. 
well manicured lawns and right well we have so much empty space we have that one little tree growing around this brushes green grass that can't be you can't walk on the grass at all and it's kind of uh it's that whole separation again of nature and this ornamental style but i just want to bring back the point of the, the candles and the and the whole polarity of destruction and creation it's absolutely it's so true and obviously like we talked about it is inherent in the natural cycles itself but uh as far as if i look at i take a blank page of paper before i start drawing on it it is this perfect creation of itself like it's a blank page it is an entity in itself there but then the moment i start that first pen stroke you know the first paintbrush um it starts to change that blank piece of paper is absolutely no more and it goes through this whole transmutation process birthing into something else and i feel like that is like those two forces are always at work and uh, we're constantly like the universe any level of the universe is constantly going through that transmutation process always becoming something else and that whole stability is kind of a it's, a, it's an illusion i mean because it's tied into that sense of time, which is, what is that? It's complete illusion too. How do you measure a scale of like a life of an atom between a compared to a sun? You know, it's all it's completely relative. And yet, anyone who is a creative at heart, what we're saying is to recognize that you can't be a creative at heart unless you fully accept that destruction is part of the process. Yeah. It's absolutely true. That death and decay and those darker things cannot, cannot be separated from the process of the lighter sides. Which I suppose gets us back to our conversation about resilience. <laughs> Just another way to describe it is that resilience is recognizing that we must walk in balance. When you fall off the horse, you get back on. And you'll fall off the horse again, but then you'll get back on again. And so it goes. And it's when we fail to accept this process, when we try to do too much on one side or the other, where we're constantly go, 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 and refuse to stop, or we stop and can't seem to get back up again. I mean, both of those lack resilience because resilience is embracing the natural flow between one pole and the other pole of of whatever we're talking about. So let's get back to the hermetic dictum. All things vibrate. All things exist in polarity. And that just means that you can't have hot without cold. You can't have light without dark. You can't have wet without dry. It's just a natural part of our physical manifest world. We live in polarity. And so resilience is to be able to find your center again when you get stuck anywhere along that way <laughs> and, and refuse to move. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's also kind of like surrendering to the Tao, to the flow of those energetic currents too. You know, that, that surrender and that flow to motion, to, to how do you put yourself back into that flow state when you are stagnant? Or how do you stop when you are in this this period of too much motion? That that happens in degrees too, because as I like that, it's almost like, like that pendulum. I think we talked about it the last episode. You know that pendulum keeps swinging. Like these are constant forces that are in motion. There's never too long of a period of stagnation, because 
life kind of forces you out of that stagnation regardless. Now, the conscious effort is that you can push yourself past that consciously so that you don't get into a crisis point that forces you to change or to, to, to spring back into action. So again, that resiliency that you mentioned of getting back up on the horse when you fall down again, which happens all, all the time, every time, because life is constantly new. There's always new struggles. And no matter how similar a uh, situation can be, uh, you know, it's brand new. So to respond, to be kind of childlike, to be patient, also for yourself as you throw yourself into it and kind of keep an open mind and an open heart, I think is a key of resiliency too. Because um, you're having then like that, automatic trust in the universe and into the life flow, into that force that's always there. It always has you. There's always going to be a net that catches you. But then again, when you, you know, when you jump and take that leap, maybe you're going to spiral down like Alice into this whole, <laughs> whole new wonderland <laughs> and it could be a frightful fall. I've been sinking with Alice in Wonder Wonderland quite a bit lately. So I had to, <laughs> had to bring Alice back up. She's totally a wisdom keeper. So, okay, let's get it back to real land. Um, not that we weren't real before, <laughs> but I uh, I could have said back to me, but that didn't sound as good. Um, <laughs> I just finished up my most recent 12-week course on planetary magic, like two days ago. And so anytime you birth this big thing, there's always this moment of, okay, we're done. And there's this feeling of, what am I supposed to be doing? Why am I not working? And right. and yet, you it takes a moment to like stop, <laughs> stop. You need to switch gears. Um, and then once that frazzle goes away, then it's like, oh, can I just sit here for a while and do nothing? Can I do nothing? So, and I know this is the time of the year yeah. when people feel that a lot even regardless of the pandemic. It's just, mm -hmm. it's Pisces season. There's a little bit of reset from the winter is over. The spring is almost here. Right. And it's also the season when we are trying to figure out, which is not what I wanted to say. Uh, well, what was I trying to say? Well, is it something about like dead. straddling Very that dead. equal light, equal dark and... Oh, time change. <laughs> <laughs> and if you happen to live in the United States or other parts of the world where the clocks are going to shift, um, it always, always, always messes with my biological rhythms. It takes me a week to get over. It's worse than jet lag. And I don't know why it seems to get worse every single year. Maybe this just gets worse with age. I do not know. I, um, I, I don't know. But I'm not the only one. Sometimes it feels like I don't adjust until the next time change happens. And I'm always in this perpetual flux. I thought about this morning when I got up. We got up when the sun came up. I'm like, can I just be on strike and just get up when the sun gets up for a while? I think I bet I bet a bunch of people who have been doing that with the pandemic are going to be <laughs> even more conducive to the, why are we doing this? Why do we flip the clocks around like this? Because... It may have made sense at once upon a time, but it does not make sense anymore. Be that as it may, resilience, resilience, you know, what I, I, I think about that on my many walks a day. What practical steps can I take to help myself be more resilient 
when things change, whether it be my classes ending or the times change or something else in life. And I, I was trying to make myself a list because I'm a Virgo and we do that. Um, what, what, what would you put on your list? And I'll take notes just in case it sounds like it, it's a good addition for my list. On my list, my mental list that I'm uh, yeah. checking off here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I have some ideas too. Okay, wait, you can go first. Yeah, well, well, I just want to address one fact too that, you know, a large part of it, like this whole taking the time to actually rest, to stop. A part of our culture is that we have to be constantly in this yang mode of constant action, constant creation, constant work, constant, constant, constant. You know, we have bills to pay. We can't stop. All these, uh, all these modern things that just uh, stop us from that actual flow state where there is this yin, there is this yang, there is this waxing, this waning. And those, I mean, those are very lunar tides. And that's a natural rhythm. We are, we do need time for our body to respond, to rest, to recuperate from, um, from stress and from those triggers that sort of flood our body. I, I listened to actually one of my favorite new herbalists is Tammy Sweet, and she did a talk recently around this subject. And I totally forgot about the modern stress cycle and as biological humans who have evolved over thousands and thousands of years, adapting to a particular way of doing things. When we have a, you know, an old stress trigger, uh, we are kind of out of that cycle within three minutes. But our modern stress triggers, I mean, this can last for weeks and months. And how do we are, how do we get out of that for ourselves to complete that that whole kind of hormonal cycle that happens and the adrenaline release and restoring your body to balance? And a lot of that is, you know, we can't have that kind of lingering over our heads. And uh, I mean, if you take a look at the whole mass media fear cycle that kind of happens, we're constantly getting triggered. So disconnecting from that where you learn where are where your sources of information are coming uh it's important to withdraw from i think from the outer world and live in your own inner world and separate that i think that's super important obviously we're we're interconnected always and knowing what's happening out there affects us individually but we can't be oversaturated with it all the time it's just not natural we need our bodies uh, to give it a chance to become resilient to let go the process into integrate experience. Especially heavy trauma that happens. <laughs> hey Autumn. Hello. Okay, so my dog was just barking like mad. So we had to take a quick break and come back. Now I'm actually having to viscerally internalize what it feels like to be resilient from running around the house, trying to catch my dog, put her into her crate, and come back and go, where was I? <laughs> Meanwhile, having to manage the fact that my heart is still pounding a little bit from running around the house to catch the dog, she's kind of big, and still speak in a way that makes sense for a podcast recording. So there's the resilience of the body, there's the resilience of the mind so that we can focus back on what we were doing. And there's the resilience of the emotions. I mean, emotions are meant to move and swing back and forth. And yet it seems like most people I've ever met are stuck 
in like one emotional gear. <laughs> Doesn't matter what gear it's in. We have preferred emotions and other emotions that we don't want to deal with. So we push them away or I'm only going to be in this one little narrow area of my life. So all of these things need resilience in order to find our maximum efficiency, our maximum recharge zone, our, our greatest potential, all of those things. So when you were talking to, listening to the herbalist about the modern stress cycle mm -hmm. and the fact that we tend to get stuck mm -hmm. in hyper yang mode or flip over to the exact opposite because we don't know how to switch, did she give any herbal suggestions on what things could help facilitate our transitions? She did. Before I get back into that, I just want to wrap up um, the earlier thought. I think I still have the train, if that's okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I just want to say, like, I feel like it's really important to allow ourselves to relax, to stop. I feel like there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves and guilt around the fact of doing nothing. Sometimes that is the best medicine in itself. Um, and some of the things that I like to do for that, like I'm a very active person for well, physically for a lot of yang energy. So I like to schedule in times for like yin yoga, where I am just sitting, you know, going, releasing that deep fascia and to, uh, uh, ligament release. And it's a very slow practice, which needs, which balances out a lot of like, you know, the faster, more exertion. Um, and that, that's something that's very simple that can be done. Herbally, there's this uh, amazing things like a plethora of herbs and plants and just dietary changes that you can do to like to work on that stress and adrenal fatigue that we feel. One thing I and beforehand, you mentioned caffeine and uh, that is that is a very strong one. I mean, it creates a lot of adrenal fatigue. I actually had to like cut out coffee completely, but I still like caffeine. So there's things like uh, yerba mate and wayusa. Wayusa is my favorite because it's a tasty yerba mate, but it's extremely caffeinated. But at the same time, it works in your body in a certain way that it's like it's it's more gradual and you don't get that jittery effect and it's more lucid. And actually the tribes in South America that would work with it would incorporate it for for um, inducing dream states and you actually drink it before sleep because it stimulates your dreams so at the same time it's stimulating yet calming and that's really interesting and runa makes a you know a delicious already brewed um why use a drink but i like the loose leaf and make my own teas and stuff that's fascinating because i would have said the exact opposite i love coffee and loathe caffeine <laughs> <laughs> Caffeine and I, you know, have you seen that that movie with the squirrel over the hedge, beyond the hedge? I don't know. There's something, it has a raccoon that's voiced by Bruce Willis and it has a squirrel and the squirrel is already a little hyper and then they give it like <laughs> no, the equivalent of a jolt and, <laughs> and it gets so hyper, it circles the earth and stops time. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's, that's you and that. I could... So, if I have yeah. coffee, like a regular cup of coffee, I'll fall asleep like 30 minutes later. I'll get, just get exhausted. It just taxes my adrenal system. Yeah. But not with Wayusa or cacao, which if you need like that little stimulation, I mean, that's a great. That would be because I am Vata and you are not. And um, 
And that's another show. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Dasha's going to another show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just to wrap up, like, you know, stress relievers, Tulsi and like uh Tulsi, Holy Basil, and Shazanjaberry. And there's just so many plants that are that are out there that and foods that you can do the really calm and relax and uh, i think it's kind of a you know finding experimenting a little bit and finding the ones that work best with you i mentioned you mentioned chamomile to me off um off air and uh yeah that's a that's a great one uh i don't drink it too often because i feel like i have a weird allergic reaction to chamomile i don't know i don't know what it is i can't really pinpoint nothing severe i can totally drink it fine uh it's just it's it's an interesting one for me but holy basil it's uh it's one of my Tulsi favorites too. Amazing. It's a very Ooh. Jupiterian thing. Mm -hmm. With all rose hips, fantastic. So, obviously, um, your mileage may vary. I mean, even Chris and I are different about what we can tolerate. So, none of this is is hard and fast. If you take this, you will be fine. It's all experimenting and finding out what works for you and what what doesn't work for you, and understand what you're trying to accomplish which is swing the pendulum and find balance. And then what methodology you use for that, you might have to tweak it a little bit. Absolutely. And mushrooms are fantastic. Rishi and cordyceps, and uh, those are fantastic for the circulatory system and they're very safe to use too. They kind of, uh, mycelium have this very comparable DNA to humanity, which is interesting in a whole other episode in itself. <laughs> but uh, I like those a lot. And they're great for your immunity too. So those are fantastic little helpers out there. They're all over the place. All right. So I'm keeping a list here because um, <laughs> I know that our listeners are going to like go, wow, these people are rambling all over the place. What do I actually do with this information? So I am writing it down um, so that we can put in the show notes. If you want to find all the things that we talked about, we will put links in the show notes and you will get uh, access to my little list, which currently has physical things. I added sleep because, you know, it was a good one. Uh, yoga. And then I had herbal things like Tulsi uh, and really all the adaptogen class. So that's the mm. reishi and, and Tulsi and um, ashwagandha, stuff yes. like that. Then there was the mental stuff, which included disconnecting from media. Mm -hmm. But I think there's other mental things that actually can help with this process. Of course, meditation. It's kind of a mind work thing. Absolutely. Um, have you found certain beliefs? I mean, the fact that the fact that we're all running around, I must do more, I must do more. Certainly a belief that we all seem to have a part of. I know. Mm -hmm. I know for me. It's hard not to have internalized the voices that I feel like are from outside me, like looking at me like you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. um, I was even, I even remember working, I was volunteering for some philanthropic organization and they were having a board meeting or some kind of meeting and I was staffing it and I hadn't eaten anything since breakfast. Running around, running and running and running and I was like, 1.30 or 2 in the afternoon, I could feel my blood sugar start to crash. Right. Like in a way that I was getting dizzy when I stood up. I'm like, I have to eat something. And I said, hey, I got to go eat something. Can someone cover this? And and the woman who was in charge came over and screamed at me. You are working. You cannot eat. And I was like, 
I am a volunteer and you're supposed to be helping people and you were in my face screaming at me because I said I need to get some food because my blood sugar is crashing. And I, I just, I was a little shocked. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think I think it made such an impression on me because, hey, my blood sugar was crashing. <laughs> so right. I, my body was going into a state of alert and alarm. But also because we have so internalized that you must be working, that we are willing to yell at other people when we don't feel like they're living up to that expectation. So God only knows what we're doing to ourselves in this Mm -hmm. process of, you know, go, go, go. I'm always busy. Well, you're always busy because you made yourself always busy, not because someone else made you always busy. And so it's like busy, busy or crash and in front of the television and try to be as numb as possible. Uh, And that doesn't seem like a healthy balance. No, no, it doesn't. And it's kind of ironic that your example is one of the the basic things that life forms have to do to survive, which is to Mm -hmm. eat. And another example came up recently with obviously the overworked Amazon employees working like 12, 15 hour shifts, not being able to go to the bathroom a basic human necessity it's it's absolutely absurd and that's one of my pet peeves well it's not even a pet peeve uh but because i feel like a lot of people just don't even realize this because we're you know there's so much going on like we can't we can only be aware of so much at a time but that that sense that you are completely drained and tired from your day and you just want to numb out with tv yet the passive uh, activity that you're doing isn't passive because it's you know blue light saturation and you're getting stimulated stimulated by the plot and the distractions on the screen so you're again just constantly caught up in that stress cycle not able to adapt because it's it's actually active stimulation which... so what you're watching is not making you relax right so have a screenshot, like if you have to go to bed in a couple hours, like don't, you know, withdraw, like have, shut down the screen time and be with yourself, tune into that rhythm because it does throw up, throw off your completely, your whole uh, sleep cycle, which you've mentioned, and that's extremely crucial. And I feel like we have to be guilty about the times we need to sleep in, which is sort of <laughs> also, I don't think natural either. And it's kind of unfortunate that we have to, force ourselves to not listen to what the body needs. And well, and I suspect we also do it because we are afraid of the silence. So think about it for a minute. If we're busy, 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 doing, 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 trying to stay in this little square in our heads, kind of like, you know, those places where they have like parking lots and they're having like COVID events and they draw little circles, they paint them on the sidewalk and you have to stand in little circles so you're properly socially distanced. I think we do that in our brains. We have to stand in this little (laughs) circle. And if you get outside that circle, then you are somehow in the here there be dragons territory. And so, of course, when we've been busy, 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 and we've been ignoring our physical needs, when we've been shoving any emotional needs away as far as we can, when it comes time to be quiet, it's like it's like Fred Flintstone approaching that closet that you know as you open the door, everything's going to fall on your head. So, And you're too tired to deal with all those things, and so you you get numb. You get numb, but since you're not dealing with them, you're not actually finding balance. Because balance would be spending equal time in the mental world and the emotional world, or the physical world and the spiritual world. We need all of them 
to stay in the center. Otherwise, we are pulled outside of ourselves and we just spin and spin and spin. So, I mean, in a way, even reading the news or watching television mm -hmm. in certain contexts can be the opposite of what we need to do. I was reading a book about dream work and it said that since most people aren't working with their dreams at all, mm -hmm. when they sit down to actually work with them the first time, what happens is it's like the faucet has not been used in a long time. And so there's air and rocks and stuff. And so it sputters and it's like, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. and so the dreams are probably going to be really dark for a while until your psyche runs clear and then yeah. you can trust that stream again. But since most people don't want to go through that transition space to get back into balance, they run away from that too, which could be an innate source of feeling that we just don't want to bother with. Yeah, this, that's actually uh, a beautiful uh, imagery to because uh, retuning to that dream state, yeah, that that makes sense. Kind of needed to clean it out, but it is completely a vital process for the body. Um, they say a lot of times, well, dreams in that reality, your brain is sifting through all those problems and it's realigning it for you. So when you wake up the next day or the days, the days leading up to it, those processes and those problems are kind of dissolving for you because you're having time to integrate, to defragment your you know mental hard drive, I think <laughs> probably is the best comparison. And it's super important. And we cut, we do cut ourselves off because it's scary. And you're absolutely right. We, a lot of times to, um, to sit in the silence, to, you know, to be absolutely present through, out the you know the stresses that are actually happening in our in our lives it is terrifying and i feel like you do become more numb more callous to it and less open to receiving that and just into step and stepping into new territory which could be braving that complete silence and surrendering into sleep which i mean we kind of uh i mean it's the same thing where we're caught in this perpetual cycle of activity. Like when you have to wake up in like five hours to you start the whole hamster wheel over again. And then you take different substances that can interfere with your natural uh, melatonin and everything that's kind of the serotonin and dopamine that's produced in dream states. I mean, that all has, an, has a sort of creepy effect on you for sure. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's kind of sad because Dreams are such, I'm, I'm a fan of the dreamscape. Most creatures that we have had a chance to study, not just humans, oh, but yeah. mammals. I mean, my dog's dreaming all the time because her little feet are going and she's barking while she's sleeping. So it's mm -hmm. really good that she can't actually move around or she would be chasing squirrels, <laughs> sleep squirreling. <laughs> <laughs> so the dogs, other mammals, birds, Reptiles, they all enter a dream state. And those are just the ones that we can measure something mm -hmm. akin to our own brains. So it seems to be built into our species to plug in to a more spiritual state while we are asleep. You know, we're all designed to do that. And the fact that we ignore it is crazy. It's just mm -hmm. that's crazy cakes. It's absolutely crazy because that's where we, I feel like we spend 
half of our lives in that that state and maybe that's the real waking reality and this is the dream state so there's no you know that's up to interpretation for sure and i forget there was a a nahuatl tradition and they were talking about this period of like this past decade and like the transition from the fifth to the sixth sun as the dream reality maybe because of it because it is that transition phase but that like we're kind of having like a, a polar polar switch there where the dream reality is is becoming extremely vital um so i find that i always found that fascinating and we're in this period of heavy imagination because we're cooking up the, you know this bringing the seeds of the of the dream and the imagination into reality so it's a very psychic time of you know collectively and I, I don't know. I feel like that that sea is very deep and holds a lot of wisdom and mystery. And we need to bring a little bit more of that personal magic into our lives that way. You know, go fishing in our dreams. Absolutely. I mean, we are further into the Aquarian age than most astrologers like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think the definition of the Aquarian age is have, have, learning how to work with our reality bubbles. Because Aquarius is an air sign, so it's all about what is abstract, what is not concrete, what is belief, and Saturn is all about boundaries and where we put them. And what is is a reality bubble? What is a veil? It is the Mm -hmm. boundary about what we believe. And it is our belief systems, like the ones we've been talking about today, that are, that have created this environment that we find ourselves in. And it's part of growing up, all children have to learn it eventually, that what you think is part of what you create. We just haven't learned it collectively yet because we don't know how. We don't, we don't have the tools for that. And that's what, we have to, that's what we have to create for ourselves, which means we have to become masters of our own reality bubbles. We have to be able to shift and move. And it starts with working in our dreams because dreams aren't concrete yet. And so they give us the perfect example, the perfect chance to be able to shift our abstract realities. It's a practice place. Mm -hmm. And yet we're not using it. It's just crazy. Just crazy. No, we're not. And I feel like we're we're remembering. This is also a time of remembrance of this kind of innate technology that that we have as as humans and that, you know, wisdom, wisdom keepers from around the world and whether they're former civilizations or uh, the indigenous peoples and anyone that you know still which kind of coincides so this interconnection with the planet itself that severing has had drastic implications but we are at a point of um finding out what that means again and uh, and kind of incorporating it into new ways and i'm glad you brought up the reality bubbles and saturn i mean in the age of aquarius which you know people for well i know our audience is well aware of you know saturn's rulership of aquarius but that is the firmament you know it's the logos it's the background reality that massive net that contains all thought and belief and, and construct and it's it's a fascinating landscape because you it's because at once like all those thought patterns and and concepts are completely linked and connected so you can fourth dimensional fourth excuse me fourth dimensionally sort of astral travel between reality constructs and bubbles and multiverses and 
all those fun things that are connected through that. <laughs> all right. So let's get back to my three-dimensional self, which is totally <laughs> exhausted from totally exhausted from spending every week having to put out a new piece of a class, being up until like five o'clock in the morning, uh, getting stuff done, mm. not up because that's when I was waking up. That's when I didn't go to sleep until. So let me be really clear, <laughs> up all night long, crashing, getting up, doing it again. I feel like that that old time to make the donuts commercial. Um, <laughs> date myself again. So you find yourself, and, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only person in this world, especially now, who finds themselves at the bottom of the well. It's like, I am spent. It looks so far up there. Right. Where do you start? I got all these <clears throat> possibilities laid out in front of me. And we get into choice paralysis. You start somewhere. And you start with the small things. And you start building up a little at a time with what you can do. And so if the small thing is going down to your local Whole Foods or Sprouts or whatever earthy crunchy market you have near you and picking up ashwagandha, holy basil tea, something else, and just having that every day, that's a step in the right direction. I always find doing body stuff is actually easier mm -hmm. than doing mental stuff when you're totally exhausted because it starts to build resources. And what you want to do is create a resource cycle so that as you build more resources, you feel more, you have like more stuff, more reserves to be right. able to tackle the next bigger thing that might seem harder. And that might be different for you than it is for somebody else. Here's we get back to your personal, your personal strategy, you're going to have to tweak. But I always say go for the physical because we, we can, if we get in touch with our bodies, we're going to get to active center faster because I do believe we have an innate healing with wisdom within us. And if we can tap into that innate wisdom, we're going to move in the right direction faster. So if you're at the bottom of the well, first thing you're going to do is like, okay, what can I do to feed myself? And what can I do to decompress? So my second thing would probably be like long walks or yoga, um, something that enables you to relax. And once you've got those two things under your schedule, then I would start tackling the emotional or the psychological stuff that got you into the well in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, as I have learned over my many years, if you don't deal with that, you're going to end up back in the well anyway. Even if you manage to climb out, you're going to throw yourself back in because there's something about the well that you are trying to teach yourself while you're down there. And until that's how you truly break the cycle is you break the psychology of the cycle. Does that make sense? Or am I just, or am I just yammering? I know it makes, absolutely, it makes absolutely perfect sense. And I'm glad you brought up the physical element because that is... Uh, that herbalist I mentioned before, Tammy Sweet, that's the number one thing she talked about of completing that stress cycle. The best thing you can do was physical exercise. And because that that does tune you back into your body, you're actually physically working through uh, whatever sort of chemicals that are kind of going through your body at that time. But and, and uh, physical exercise, let me let me put the caveat in here. 
um, having gone through adrenal exhaustion myself, is not mm-hmm. necessarily high-impact aerobic exercise. That could actually make it worse. We're talking about the low-impact either yoga or tai chi or some gentle weightlifting, but not good like... run, too, but not like anything If insane. you're used to running, if you're used to running, <laughs> if you've never run a day in your life, you do Don't not want to say, I'm yes. going to run a mile today. <laughs> right. Go for, go for a walk around the block, of course. Go for a There's walk around the block. of conditioning. <laughs> exactly. But I, and also I really like that, that suggestion of starting off with something simple, the first steps. I mean, there's, that's always, you know, how <laughs> the first step is the beginning of the journey. It's always that first step. Even well, and you have step. to, you have to want that. I mean, I, you do. I, maybe the step zero is the recognize that you have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> recognize that you're in the well (laughs) right right well what i was gonna bring up was when you mentioned like getting that that tulsi tea and then starting off with the physical i mean you can then incorporate a bit of the psychological in that as well because as you're steeping the tea as you're drinking the tea as you're you know inhaling that that lovely aroma and that is relaxing you even just before drinking the tea you know, not even the plant itself working with your body. The whole act is a ritual in that sense of calming yourself down. Of It's just, it's, it's that whole kind of tea journey right there. You know, my hermetic teacher used to say, you can start anywhere because magic is found in anything, even the little things. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to be completely mindful and slowing down and slowing down while you were brewing your Tulsi and slowing down and slowing down, you would enter an altered state just by being completely present in the eternal now of the moment. And if you could do that in all things, I mean, you would automatically be working, be living in balance. I just think that might be a step too far if you're all the way up here and really stressed and having to go about the next thing. No, that's a, that's funny. You crack me up, so I, then I forget what I'm going to say. <laughs> but, oh, that's absolutely true. Oh, yes, that's and that is basically like that that whole slowdown, that shift. You're shape shifting there, you know. Well, that is part of being mastering the magic is to be able to shape shift. That is. Yeah. That's resilience right there. And I I remember my days doing biofeedback. I thoroughly appreciated when I was learning how to meditate, being hooked up to actual monitors so I could see what was happening. And I still do it, you know, especially when I'm feeling really overwhelmed because it's such a instant. <laughs> and how hard it was to learn how to fall back into myself mm-hmm. and what's funny that i would go get a certificate in uh, in go get certified in hypnosis because it was a long long arduous stretch for me personally to be able to learn how to relax and yet moving back from super relaxed all the way back up to bed again was really really easy super simple i could just go ping and i was back up to the top again and so it would take 20 minutes to get down and be calm and 
30 seconds to get back up to the top again and always marveled at how we are so habituated to that fast surface level beta mind states that every Westerner living that kind of life, it's going to ping right back there. It's what's familiar. And yet, it's not normal. And it's not and it's not where we're supposed to live. No, 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 not at all. But we also just have bombarded with constant triggers too. It makes it a little, little difficult as well. It's all over television. We give ourselves stimulants in order to keep up running. And then mm -hmm. just to make things interesting, we reinforce it for each other by yelling at other people that they're being lazy or judging them or and then internalize it and then start that inner critic doing the same thing to ourselves. So it's amazing how the thought police are us. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. And you kind of have to be because uh, there is that it's that dominant construct of reality. So you kind of have to be nonconformist in that that regard too just for which is kind of ironic to think about it's like yeah it's just slowing down just being a nonconformist so that's lovely and a nonconformist who was also going to get people angry because they don't want to see something different mm -hmm. absolutely and it might make them question what they're doing yeah i mean a ton of triggers like happen there too because sometimes it's like oh i want to i need because you realize that oh you're overreacting and reacting to what someone else is doing because you deep down need that for yourself. You need to slow down. You want that break. That's why you're getting upset. So it's pretty fascinating, that whole feed lap, feedback loop of insanity that our culture does. I love it. So this comes back to <laughs> the first step is recognizing that you're in the well and that you have to want to do things differently because nothing changes unless you want to do things differently. Now, we talk about, um, I was reading another article this morning about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. <laughs> fixed mindset being if you believe you can't change because you were born that way and it's just the way it is, that's a fixed mindset. Guess what? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're not be able to do anything. Whereas a growth mindset is, hmm, I don't know how to do that now, but I could learn how to do it. And if I can learn how to do it, that I can grow and possibly do something differently. And it struck me when I was reading the article that they didn't use the words fate and free will, but this is the dance between fate and free will. That when you are focusing on the fixed side, you're focusing on the fate. And when you're focusing on the growth side, you're focusing on the free will. And you can't say that one or the other is incorrect because they're both two sides of the same point. They're a polarity. And we need both sides in different places. And but when it comes to resilience, we are stuck in the fixed state. And if we want to grow and get back on the horse, we have to move into that growth mindset and think about what could I do differently so that I, again, don't get back in the well again. Right. And it's kind of funny you brought that up because it's like the... the the resiliency of the brain itself, the neuroplasticity and the ability to actually create new neural pathways as you're doing things and starting new things. I mean, that is a very resilient uh, organism right there, organ. I think we have a much greater understanding of our own resilience today 
than we ever have before. I mean, I know neuroscientists never thought that you they would find so much evidence that the brain really can is. rebuild itself yeah. in ways that we never considered. So it's absolutely fascinating. And I get it. I get the why the walls get built up around these these fixed concepts that you were talking about. You know, it's very easy for us to do whether whether we are just bombarded with stress and, and doing anything more is considered just like eh, just just absolutely taxing and uh, completely draining. But it's that that closed circuit, that well that you are in, you have to make the changes to change. Yet the change causes you stress. So which what are you going to do first? And a lot of that, I feel like, is just being a little gentle with yourself, too. Uh, I don't know why we're kind of gentleness is considered to be sort of a not a negative thing, but uh, doesn't really compute with our society too much. And it, and especially when we're kind of referring it back to ourselves, whether it's that mental chatter and that mental lashing that we do that, you know, nothing is ever good enough or we can't do this, but just kind of slow down and just. Practice self-care. Are you done yet? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's madness. It's insanity. <laughs> and, but it's very simple. And I feel like, I don't know, like we're taught, we, I don't know, there's something that we, we can't, we're not, we can't be kind to ourselves or. Practice self-care, but you're not doing it right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's insanity. It's the definition of insanity. Uh, we are coming to the end of our hour here. So, Chris, do you have any other last-minute <laughs> things on resilience that you would like to leave people with? I don't. I, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> that's very no, That's very yin of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I totally I surrendered to the end of the hour. <laughs> no, I, I think that, um, I mean, we scratched the surface of this topic, really. I mean, we talked about so much, but there's this, it's so encompassing. Will we ever do more than scratch the surface? We will, we will look at the diamond shininess of reality from multiple directions and then have to sit with them in silence. But, you know, sitting in silence does not make good for radio. <laughs> You know, I, it was kind of funny. I was actually thinking about a fun podcast idea, which is be the silent podcast. <laughs> 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 and you're just recording silences, maybe in different rooms. So if anyone out there, yeah, go create the silent podcast. I'll tune in. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? But you didn't think I'd leave you without some homework, did you? Well, this week's experiment is super easy, but powerful. Now, one of our biggest impediments to our natural resilience is that we forget to breathe. Really, we do. Just think of what happens when you are breathing naturally. Air flows in, air flows out. It's simple and easy. Now, remember the last time you got scared, shocked or startled? Here I could yell, boo. That's kind of mean, so I'll just leave it to your imagination. Whatever the feeling, you're always taking in a sharp breath and holding it, even if just for a moment. That's because it's an excellent evolutionary tool for oxygenating your blood fast. So it prepares you for a fight or flight response, but it's lousy for everyday use. So the next time you feel yourself startled or just plain anxious, Take three deep, 
conscious breaths, focusing on the inhalation and the exhalation. And notice how this makes you feel. You may discover it's much easier to respond to the stresses in life if you just pause for a simple moment and remember to just breathe. In the meantime, if you want to talk more about experiments like these and ones that are even more complicated, or dive deeper into the planetary energies or just ways to live a more magical life, my Magic and Mastery Coven is always open to you. It's now got more than 50 hours of training, guided meditations, monthly magical challenges, and engaged heart-centered community. Even better, there are no contracts to sign. So just surf on over to www.magicandmastery.com coven to find out more information. And of course, to find the timestamps and links from the show, don't forget to check out the show notes at www.magicandmastery.com podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with me, your host, Donna Woodwell, and my new co-host, Chris Kaplan. And as I've said before, we love getting feedback. It helps us to figure out what makes you jazzed so we can provide more of the good stuff that you want. And it would mean so much to us if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast. And if you like it, why don't you share it with a friend? <music>